All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the Wally and Mathot Show. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wally and Mathot Show. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot. It is a Monday morning. Uh, happy to see everybody. Uh, Math, before we get going, I didn't. I, have you heard about the All or Nothing uh, series with the Toronto Maple Leafs out on Amazon? I don't know if you watched it, but you've heard about yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet, though. I. You didn't tell us that you were a central figure in episode number two. What so do you mean? I'm watching, I'm watching episode two, and then all of a sudden I look and William Nylander's taking a shot, and who's right there to try and block it, but none other than number three, Mark Mathot. Oh yeah, okay, I see it. Okay, I'll have to tune into that. What happened on that shot? Is there a goal? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's good. I got a minus there on that play. I'll just assume it was a power play or something we were killing. Um, yeah, I should have sagged out more based off that screenshot. I'll have to take a look at it though. I'm sure I'll be able to blame a forward at some point. But hey, you're in you're in the episode, so good for you. I, I just can't believe you didn't bring it up sooner that you were a big star. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'll I'll tune in and I'll let you know what I think of that play. It's about a second long, by the way. I think the whole entire sequence is about a second. So I had to freeze it okay. and take the Well picture. then never mind. I just, I have no, I never had any intention on watching that. So, but I, you know, maybe I'll it, tune on an episode two. We'll see. It's not bad. The only thing I don't like about it is it's sanitized. I know there's tons of F-bombs, but it's sanitized because the Leafs get a say in how it's all produced. And so yeah. it cuts down on a lot of stuff that probably you How would you see. compare it to like any of the Hard Knock series that, that like <sighs> the NFL stuff? 
those ones are much better. Um, yeah. All because I think there's less editorial uh, choice in it. But it, I mean, the, the leaf one's pretty good. It's just you can see stuff that gets left out. Like there's a scene. Yeah. John Tavares and his uncle, and they're just sitting there, and John's like, oh, man. I really didn't appreciate how great you were as a lacrosse player. And his uncle was the best lacrosse player I ever played, but it's just this very kind of, kind of scripted it's almost. Just, <laughs> yeah. It's just scripted. It just bugs me a little, but it, it's not yeah. bad. Like it's been good to watch just to see anybody loves behind the scenes stuff, which is what always gets people excited. It's just, I just want to see stuff I can't see all the time. And so yeah. that's what we try to bring here. Sometimes when we get you and we get guests on, we get to talk about behind the scenes stuff and that, might as well get right to our guest, who's also been behind the scenes quite a bit in his career. Uh, joining us now to chat on this Monday is Brendan Bell, a former Toronto Maple Leaf draft pick. We won't hold that against you. Ottawa native, uh, CHL Defenseman of the Year, also a former Ottawa Senator and New York Ranger and Phoenix Coyote. Uh, Brendan Bell, welcome to the show. Thanks, Wally. Yeah, former a lot of things. Um, and, and you say behind the scenes. I was behind the scenes a lot, too. Spent a lot of time in the dressing room and in the press box, so... <laughs> That's where all the good hey, stories happen. Exactly. <laughs> but you still got to play and live out a dream that thousands or millions of us never get to do. Um, it looks like you're actually uh, auditioning for the GM role of Kyle Dubas in the <laughs> all or nothing scene in your office here. Are you breaking down lines in the back or what? Yeah, no, I've got uh, my to-do list uh, that doesn't get updated nearly as regularly as uh, as Kyle Dubas's depth chart. But uh, yeah, I uh, I had to make it into the office this morning, so I don't have the uh, the fancy background like you guys do. Um, although I've spent so much time on Zoom over the last year and a half, two years, that I should. I, the home office setup is better than this one, but um, usually I've got the Golden Gate Bridge or you know like the a picture of the golf course or something in the background, but. Um, you know, I wanted to make it raw and authentic for you guys. See, this is how fancy my day-to-day -day life is. Nice. I'll get you a, uh, I'll get you a meth bobblehead to spruce things up. Oof. That would be great. <laughs> All we'll right, let's get into. <laughs> oh, by the way, I don't know if you can see, uh, Brennan, but I've spent six dollars on ink just to print a picture of you to cover up uh, Yarmir Yager, just to make it feel more special. And I found the best jersey I could find, and that is the old black Sens block uh, jersey. Do you have one of those? I don't. I uh, I actually tried at, at given points. Like I played for eighteen or nineteen teams in thirteen years, and I tried to collect jerseys wherever I could. Um, and I mean, there's a bunch of AHL teams in there too, and they're not you know very willing to part with uh, jerseys and and anything that costs them a dollar um, in a lot of instances. So. I've got a bunch of jerseys in the basement. I don't have a Sens jersey. Um, I don't know where they are or where they've where they've landed. I'm sure they're you know collecting dust in, at the CTC in the back room or something. And I, I could probably get my hands on one, but um, that would not be the one that I'm looking for. <laughs> not a big fan of it, eh? No, all oh, that tongue. I'm gonna hear about it from any friends and family that have known me going way back. That is a that is a Brennan Bell face right there. And that's not pretty. <laughs> yeah, those jerseys were, I mean, and, and no offense. I mean, I'm sure at the time they were nice, but uh, I was never a fan of that. Like, it's just kind of, a, it was almost kind of tragic, but I'm glad they moved away from it. Yeah, we were like, we were so pumped to get a third jersey. You know, like it was, it was kind of around that time where other teams had started doing it. Sens hadn't done anything at that point. And we just thought like, this is the greatest thing ever. We've got black jerseys, you know, we've got a third option. Mm. 
Uh, and so we were just happy to have anything, but you look back on it and like, that's a bad Jersey. I mean, the, bad like one. the color schemes on the arms are all wrong. I mean, the logo is like, <laughs> who, who, who decided that that was a good idea. <laughs> I was going to say somewhere out there, whoever designed these jerseys, it'll, it'll be sent this clip and <laughs> they're just going to cry yeah. about it. So no, it's, yeah. you know what, at the time I'm sure their heart was in the right place and they were fun for a little bit, but I think they moved on in the right way afterwards. So. All good. Yeah, I'm just thinking like that logo must have been made on a deadline. Like we've we've got to have yes. a logo by Tuesday at noon. <laughs> Let's go, and bang it just, out, bang it know, out. The creatives just couldn't get it done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So hang on. You talked about seven, uh, 19 teams. So you got the St. John's Maple Leafs, Toronto Marlies, Toronto Maple Leafs, Phoenix Coyotes, Antonio Rampage, Binghamton Senators, Ottawa Senators, Peoria Rivermen, Syracuse Crunch, uh, Avangard Omsk, uh, H E H C Beal or Bale. Beal? Beal, yeah. Uh, Connecticut Whale, the New York Rangers, Florida, uh, the Admirals, Chicago Wolves, and Bolzano. So uh, what's your favorite jersey of all those? Oh, Florida Indians. No doubt about it. That's yeah. an easy one. It's pretty um, good. I like, the, like, I like the classics. I was lucky that you know I played for the Leafs, played for the Rangers um, for a few minutes. Um, but the Florida Indians one was awesome. Like they've got that old school... I'm sure most Sens fans have seen it because, I mean, Alfie, uh, Carl, um, you know, a Leonard, bunch of guys have Leonard? come through there. Lenny's from yeah. Gothenburg. I don't know that he played for Fralunda, though. Yeah, he may not have um, played. Yeah. But, oh, that uh, is yeah, cool. That I, just lo- I just looked it up. It's awesome. Like, I've got a bunch of, you know, like the Gitch stuff that we get, Matthew, you know, like the training gear and all that yeah. stuff. And that's the one, though, like, I don't even wear them, but I just, I can't bring myself to throw them out because they're just like that logo is so good and the colors are great too like it's bright red or bright green yeah yeah i got fortunate enough uh when the sends went over to play and it was 07 or 08 they played in frolunda that night i think carlson played for the indians um yeah we got to take part in that game it was yeah it was really cool um okay so uh last question i have and that's about before we get on to the actual sends this now this season is uh being drafted by the leafs like did you grow up a Sens fan and being was drafted by the Leafs tough for you and then getting to play in your hometown um, in a quick synopsis, I guess? Like, did, did you appreciate – I know you appreciate yeah. obviously being drafted, but uh, did the Leafs make it a little tougher? No, not at all. So a couple parts to that answer. Like, just happy to be drafted anywhere. And frankly, like, the fact that it was the Leafs was great because it's an original six team. It's – people are interested. You know, you've got – like, obviously, there's a ton of Leafs fans here in Ottawa. Um, so, you know, friends and family that you grew up with, um, you know, immediate phone calls, emails wasn't really a thing. Then a big text was barely a thing. Um, but you know, all kinds of feedback on how great this is going to be playing for the Leafs. Um, I think, you know, I don't want to speak for you, Matt, but I think when you get to that level, just to be drafted in the NHL is like, is such an honor that, um, it doesn't really matter where you go. Um, and I think by that time you've kind of realized like someone's going to pay me to play hockey. I don't really care who it is. Um, you know, happy to be there. So I did, I did grow up a Sens fan. I'm people ask me that now too. Are you a Sens fan? Like, I guess so, because I follow the Sens closer than anybody else. I, you know, I I want them to do well. Um, there's a, you know, obviously a connection to the group, but I'm a fan of hockey. Like I'll, I'll bounce around. Like I love watching the Colorado avalanche. I love watching the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, like I, I want to see highly skilled, um, nice goals, you know, smart play. So even when the Sens are playing the Leafs, like Austin Matthews scores a beautiful goal, I'll jump up out of my chair. And it's like, well, that's not what a fan does, but 
I don't know. I'm just a fan of hockey, fan of good hockey, I guess. So I was a Doug Gilmore fan when I was a kid. Then I was a Ray, Wade Redden fan. And I went to a lot of Sens games. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm a Sens fan, but I'm a, I'm a fan of everybody, I guess. I, I was the same way. Like people ask, since you covered the Sens for so long, are you a fan? I'm like, I just, I'm a fan of actually the people or the players, right? Like James Reimer and I are good buddies and he's a former Toronto Maple Leaf. Like I still cheer for them. So I'll cheer for everybody that, wherever they play just to see them play well, I could care less if the Ottawa Senators really win the Stanley Cup. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. And if Colorado won, I'd be just as happy. Like, I'm with you on that. It's just watching good hockey and seeing good people succeed. Yeah, and selfishly, you know, it's like being an Ottawa resident my entire life. Like, it's great when the Sens are good. You know, it's positive. Yeah. Like, that 2017 run, um, I had just retired. I was doing some radio stuff. That was a blast. Like there, there wasn't much more fun than that. Um, and then, yep. you know, the way things have gone the last couple of years, it sucks. You know, it, it sucks to be in a market where the team isn't doing well, where there's constant drama and tension and all that stuff. Like you want it to go well. So, yeah, I, I root for the sense. I, I, I mean, the path that they're on right now uh, and where they're going to be at in two to three years, like that's encouraging. That's exciting for me. But I don't live in that. I don't live and die by it by any stretch. Yeah. Uh, you talk about the little bit of state of flux with this team. Let's get right to it. Uh, I'm going to bring up Brady Kachuk right off the top because, well, hey, why not? Um, it seems to me, and guys, you played, so you understand contract negotiations better than anybody. Suddenly, the script has been flipped on Brady Kachuk, and now fans are starting to be upset with him, saying he's greedy, that, oh, how can you, if they're offering you eight over eight years, why aren't you doing this and why aren't you signing? Can you guys fathom the flipping of the fans to now be, I guess, a little upset with Brady Kachuk? Meth, I'll start yeah, with you. Well, yeah, what we've learned, and Belzy and I can, can definitely relate to this as far as what happens when greedy athletes start asking for more money, right? And we've gone through this with, with lockouts where you're never really going to get any sympathy when there are dollar signs involved in professional athletes. That's just the nature of the beast. People will start off sympathizing with you a little bit, especially a player like Brady. And then eventually they start to get very impatient and frustrated. And inevitably things start to fall apart a little bit. And you start to get a little bit of a, uh, you know, maybe a very vocal minority of people, especially on Twitter, where they'll start kind of voicing their displeasure towards a player when, when things aren't going well and, and negotiations go south. So I think ultimately Brady still has everybody on his side for the most part. I think it's just more of a frustration right now where they want to see him in there in the lineup. And I can I can only imagine what it's like if you're a player holding out. I've never had to do that. Belzy, I don't think you have either, right? So I, I just, I can imagine that being a player sitting back and watching these games at home as training camp is progressing and not getting in those reps with your teammates, I think there is a bit of guilt that starts to kind of seep in a little bit. But I mean, we know how this family works and Keith is a, a pretty tough negotiator when he played as well. So Brady's got a lot of people on his side. And the one last thing I will say, because again, I am a fan of the Ottawa Senators, as we all know, but at the end of the day, when you're done playing, the teams don't essentially really give a shit about you. I mean, you move yep. on to the next players and that's just the way it works. It's like that in all sports. So I commend a player for standing strong and going out there and trying to get paid and getting what he believes he is worth. And once he signs, all the fans that aren't happy with him, all this stuff will be gone out the window, and it'll be it'll be back to work and life as usual with the Ottawa Senators. So I think people just need to be patient. I got to think it's going to happen soon. 
Yeah, I, I agree completely. Like, I mean, I'm always going to be on the player side and I, your, your lifespan is so short. Your career is, you know, it's finite. So get your money while you can. Um, it would be a different thing. Like Brady is such a likable guy and such an important piece. And, you know, like he's, he's the identity and the heartbeat of this team. And so it's frustrating that he's not in camp. And we all know that when you miss camp, you miss time at the start of the season, it takes a little bit of time. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that we're going to end up writing off this year for Brady Kachuk, but like he's not going to be the same guy, you know, for the first 10 games of the season, 15 games of the season, whatever it is. Um, so that's mm -hmm. a little bit frustrating, but I, I never fault a player. And Matt, to your point, like I, I absolutely never held out. I was never in a position where that was even an option. <laughs> like I, I'll take it. What's the offer? I got it. Like, you know, it yeah. wasn't much negotiating <laughs> on my end. Um, but you know what? Like, it's it's such a difficult situation. And I applaud Brady for standing his ground. You know, I mean, who knows what we've seen some of the stuff that's come out about, you know, what the team has offered, what the player, you never know. You have no idea what's going on in those negotiations. And I think that, you know, having Hughes and Pedersen sign last week, his his skating buddies the last couple of weeks, like, this just gets tougher and tougher for Brady. And, and the, the pressure yeah. tightens. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes because I don't think Brady can Brady can hold tight. I don't think the Sens can. Like, I think you have to get this guy signed and into camp sooner than later. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and most of, most importantly, I just wanted to add to that, Wally, really quickly. Just because yeah. there's everyone's talking about structure and it, Belzy's nailed it. Nobody really knows exactly what's being offered. The negotiations have been so tight and so well kept behind the scenes that we can only speculate, right? And people are like, well, is it signing bonus? Is it just term and structure? I, I feel like if they're just a couple hundred grand off here on the AAV that it should get done. So there's obviously something else at stake here and we don't know what that is. And we won't know probably until at least everything starts to come out and leak out. But again, they've held, they've held their ground so well that we can only speculate. And I don't think it's very fair to be blaming either side right now. I think it's it's fair to be frustrated and, and get angry maybe collectively with both sides, but don't just pin this on Brady. That's all I'm gonna say to the fan base listening right yep. now. There's no pressure point right now, and that's the problem. They haven't started the season, so there's no games missed. So until there's actually a more of a pressure point, then I think they, they don't have the real, like Brady can still hold out to go, I want this in the contract. Yeah. Yeah, I think the interesting part, too, is like a couple of weeks ago when that came out about what the Sens offer was or, or rumored mm -hmm. offer was like that's here, you know, like pressures back on you, Kachuk camp. Like, you know, we made a pretty fair offer and that helps to kind of flip the script, you know, like that's where some of the frustration or some of the, you know, meth, as you said, the trolls or the vocal minority or whatever it is on, on Twitter that, well, come on, you know, like the, look, look what's been offered to him. Like he's not even worth that much money. Like there's yeah. so many intangibles with Brady Kachuk <laughs> that Svechnikov, Landeskog, like some of these guys, there's so many other things that Brady does and his value, not just on the ice, but in the community here, selling jerseys with the fan base, all that stuff. You, I don't know how you measure that in a negotiation, but it's, it's real. Exactly. It's tangible. You got to yeah. pay for that. Yeah, and I you nailed it right there, Belzy. And I think I hate the Svechnikov comparison. It's ridiculous. I mean, we're not yeah. we're they're they're two completely different animals. And and it's an entertainment business, right? Is Brady Kachuk not entertaining? Like he's gonna bring fans into the building. I'm I'm gonna be much more inclined and excited to watch these games when I know Brady's playing. And that's that's the effect that he has in this community and in the organization. Does his holding out uh tarnish 
his image or the fact that he should be given the captaincy. And I'll say that as players to you guys in the room, anybody care that he's not there? I would say in the room, no, not one bit. I think players have each other's backs. I think that um, that it wouldn't be a problem for me whatsoever. You know what? Go get what you're no. worth. It sucks that we're missing our, you know, our best forward. Um, I was going to say best player. That's another debate. But um, our most important player, I would say. Um, but as to whether it tarnishes his reputation or legacy or whatever it is down the road, depends how long. Depends how long he holds out for. Like right now, if, if he was to sign and he was, you know, on the opening night roster, played against the Leafs next Thursday, no problem at all. This is all forgotten and swept under the rug. If he doesn't come, if he sits out a season, oh boy, yeah. Big time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's bang but, on. And and didn't Kyle Kyle Turris went through something like this with Phoenix, right? Where he missed a, like quite a bit of time playing. Am I correct yeah. there? So, and I, I remember so. the fan base being very disgruntled with him. And we're talking about a small market. So, I, again, I can only imagine what the effect would be here in Ottawa. But, Belzy, again, you're bang on. I think if he's there in the starting lineup, this is a non-issue. And, and, and people are going to forget about it. But another thing, and that was another point you made earlier, you're not going to have the same Brady Kachuk here, uh, you know, right away. Like, we all know what it's like to miss games. Or even when you get injured in training camp, and perhaps you might miss a week. You're behind the eight ball for a little while. It takes time because you haven't played all summer. You haven't played for months. Brady cannot replicate any of those reps, no matter who he's skating with. I'm sorry, but you just don't get it until you start playing exhibition games and certainly until you start playing regular season games. So it's going to be very difficult for him. But, you know, he's he's not overly a flashy guy. I think that he can go out there and he can stick to his hard-nosed game right off the bat when he gets into that lineup and signs. And he'll be hard to play against at net front. I saw him uh, a month and a half ago. He's huge. Like, he's really filled out up top two. So I can't imagine being a D-man in today's NHL and having to face a guy like him. It's going to be very difficult. So I think we can all – it's safe to say we can all agree here. We just want to get this done really quickly so we can stop talking about it. <laughs> well, uh, by the way, uh, you've actually mentioned Kyle Turris. Let's not forget Alexi Ashen, who sat out a whole season over – Good point. Has mom not getting paid by the NAC and wanting a new contract <laughs> negotiated? Anyway, that really that's a well. tough comparison. Yashin and Brady yeah. Kachuk, who's who's yeah. more liked yeah. in Ottawa? Anyway, well, I bit my tongue on that one because yes, there was a player who sat out for a year, and we saw how that worked out for him, yeah. reputation wise <laughs> so, and uh, legacy wise. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but I will say, Belzy. When he came back at the end of that year, he had ended up scoring, I can't remember the total, but around 30 goals, if I'm not mistaken. They mm -hmm. they were back to cheering Alexi Ashen by the end of that season for helping them to try and win hockey games. So while they were mad as no, hell at the beginning, as things no turned, as soon it. as you help win, yep, they're going to cheer. But legacy, how is he remembered? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, like, for yeah, sure. Like, I mean, it's just, it's a black mark on his on his name on his reputation on his career because yeah in, in the short term sure just show up and play and, and contribute great but you know when you talk about people 20 30 years from now it's selfish you know like all the negative connotation that look he sat out for a year left his teammates high and dry whether that was the case or not at the time and there's certainly different yeah. different circumstances and different personalities but you know that that's what Alexi Ashen carries around with him now Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And being captain and being a Hart Trophy finalist. Like, you want your, obviously, your best player to be in the lineup, and that one really stings. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, sensory Overload, brought to you by BEI Bonisher Excavating, Inc. BonisherExcavating.com. 
uh, for all your rental needs in the Ottawa Valley, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Um, as we look through the first four preseason games by the Ottawa Senators, we'll play tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll get to that in a sec. The Sens, two and two so far. Uh, Belly, what has stood out to you, uh, if anything, so far this young preseason? Well, I think it's kind of similar to to the last couple of years in that we talk about the young guys. And, you know, last year it was it was Norris and Batherson. This year, to me, it's Pinto and Formanton. You know, like it was, we talk, you listen to AM radio, you listen to the pundits and everybody speak, um, you know, prior to the season, it was, ooh, Shane Pinto, you know, that's a lot to ask out of a young player and first year pro and all that. Look at the way the kids played. Like play speaks for itself. I mean, you, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine a scenario where he's not on the opening night roster. Um, and Alex Formanton, you know, like for a guy who, a young player still, and over the last couple of years, it's been, well, his ceiling's probably a third-line player, you know, a penalty killer, a guy that gets in there and agitates. He's never going to score. Pretty nice start to camp, you know. I mean, I think that you've seen that it's made it uh, – he's played himself onto the team. He's played himself into a position where, look at this, we gotta we got to play this guy in the top six now. With the hole that Brady's left, he fits right in. Slides right in, and he's yeah. contributed, you know, nine points in, in, uh, in the game the other night for that line. I think it's, again, you know, just the way that this has been built over, you know, a couple of years of pain and going through it, um, you know, is now starting to pay dividends. You've got, you know, a ton of young talent that is just going to, you know, push itself into the lineup here. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with those two points, especially Pinto right now. The the talk leading up to camp was, well, is he ready? And DJ was very vocal that he was going to go with Tierney as your two center. And, I mean, I think most of us who watched him play – assuming that he was going to come back into camp in shape, which we all know he did. He's a machine that he was just going to continue on with that. And he's proven. I I don't think there's even a question now. And and the one point I wanted to make to that, Belzy, was that the game is so different now. Like when you and I played, you know, the average age, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was more common to see guys in their 30s playing in the NHL. And they were the, the heart and soul cornerstone pieces of the team. And now the game is young. So, I, I you know, you need legs. And if you can't keep up and you can't keep pace – your team's going to struggle and you need guys like Pinto. Yes, he's young and he's, you know, would you like to see him develop a little more? I I don't know that you need to anymore. And I know Mike Johnson made a really good point last week when we spoke to him in that he's not relied on for the points right now necessarily, or just the points, I should say. He can kill penalties. He's very responsible defensively. And if he's going to improve on draws, I don't see an issue here. And then to answer the question, I think another focus point for me was the decor and Branstrom. And all the chatter about this, and it's so divided. I'm still looking today, and there are a lot of people trying to convince other pundits and, and, and hockey analysts that are projecting the lineups that Branstrom should still be in this lineup. I'm still so torn on this. I don't think he's knocked the door down. I don't think he's really made a, a strong enough case for himself to stay in this lineup full-time, but it's a dogfight back there. You know, you got guys like, you know, even I, I would add Del Zotto in that mix still. I don't know that Del Zotto has cemented a second you know, a second line spot on this team. I just don't know yet. I, I don't know that his legs are there. Uh, I know he's changed his game a little bit and he's more of a defensive sound player. But I mean, you look at guys like Mete right now that have been moving pretty well. Branstrom might be just as effective as Del Zotto. And then J, J, uh, Josh Brown's been very, in my opinion, at least, been pretty solid back there in camp. And so, and people weren't really talking about Holden very much. I like Nick Holden, and I think he's another guy that you can rely on, and you could probably play him on that second pairing. So again, I don't want to go on for too long here, but I think tonight's going to be a very important test to see how Del Zotto looks. 
and it's a big night for Mete and Holden. I think if those two play fairly well, like I like I'm looking at this graph right now. I like Mete and Holden above Delzado and Zaitsev. To me, that's your number two pairing. So we'll see. I'm going to keep a close eye on all those guys, particularly on defense, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, Matt, I think your your point about Brandstrom, I just want to jump on that real quick because like if if Eric Brandstrom wasn't traded for Mark Stone, do you think we'd be having these conversations? Or would he just no be chance. a first round pick who's not quite ready yet? You know, I like exactly. I, I think it, it's as simple as that. It's Brandstrom is is I don't want to say given more of an opportunity, but more is expected from him because he's the guy that they gave like that that came back in the Mark Stone deal. Like he, he's gotta play. He has to play at some point, yep. but I just, I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, I agree. And it doesn't, and, and, and to add to that even more, I think, especially if we're trying to figure out as far as projections go, he's not a DJ Smith type of player, right? Like, like I think at least with Mete, he's a little more consistent in his own zone. He's not losing assignments like that other night for me, I watched Brandstrom. Um, you know, again, I was outside of town and I was maybe drinking a little bit at, at this wedding that I was at, but I caught some of the game and <laughs> I mean, there were some there were some defensive lapses that actually caused and ended up in the back of his own net. So if that's happening in preseason, what the hell do you think it's going to look like in the regular season, right? So I, I just, when you're in a position like this, and Belzy, I know you know what I'm talking about. If you're a fringe guy, you have to knock the door down. Like you have to go in yeah. there and stand out, especially in the preseason. And and that's where this conversation ends. He just hasn't done that. And And you can't make a case for it. Until he goes out there and shows that he won't be a liability in his own zone. I want to go back to the top line for a second. Uh, it used to be, and we'll get to Nick Paul in a sec, but at the start they were talking about, we're going to put Nick Paul in Brady Kachuk's spot along with North and Norris and Batherson. Now it's Alex Formanton. Can Alex Formanton do the job in that spot in the regular season? Because both of you know the preseason is, and we've talked about this before, is not the same as the regular season. Can, is Alex Formanton a top-line player right now in the National Hockey League? He's a top-line player on this team. Uh, I don't know about, you know, if you look around the league and, and some of the other top lines. Like, given where the Senators are at with, with missing number seven on the left side, you got to fill the hole. And who is the best option for that? I think that it's to, it's what Meth just talked about. You know, it's knocking down the door in training camp. And Alex Formanton has come in and done that. I think that... Nick Paul was probably the safe choice, you know, fill him in there, Mr. Reliable, Swiss Army knife, he can do everything, but there's a, there's a ceiling there, right? Like Nick Paul isn't going, like Nick Paul's scoring and the way that he creates offense in a lot of cases is on his own. Like whether it's on a four check, whether it's, uh, you know, a great shot, like the goal he scored the other night was just a, that's a Nick Paul goal. You know, it, it's kind of out of nowhere. It's not generating in the offensive zone. It's not using your line mates, tic-tac-toe, that kind of thing. I like what Formington brings to that line because to me, what we saw last year and what we've seen here at the start of training camp is Norris and Batherson both have a lot of playmaking ability. Like they can both score, they can both put the puck in the back of the net, but they're good passers. They're creative with one another. And I think that if you put a guy on the wing like Alex Formington, who's got, you know, that, that blazing speed that backs defensemen off, it creates more room. Like it creates, I, I know as a defenseman playing in the league that it was like, if you had that little speedster, you had to be a step back or two steps back yep. and your gap wasn't as good. And so that opens up room for the more creative players to make plays. And so I, I like the fit right now. Is he, a, is he a top six, top three forward in the National Hockey League? That might be a bit of a stretch, but I really do like the fit on the line right now. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so this top, I, I'm going to ask you both as defensemen in the National Hockey League. These two top top lines, you got Formanton, who's 22, Norris is 22, Batherson's 23, Stutzla's 19, Pinto's 20, and then you got the old man, Connor Brown, at 27. But if you are defending this, these top two lines, and all these guys are 23 and younger, is there what's the concern or is there more of a concern because they're young and energetic or do you think you can handle them better because they're young and inexperienced? Um, Belly, I'll start with you on just how you handle those top two lines. Well, I never had to handle top two lines. That didn't yeah, I, happen I knew to this me in was my national that. hockey league career. Don't, don't worry about that. No. If you were out there Give by the mistake. Plumbers. I, I played a lot against George LaRock in my NHL career. You know, like that's, that's the guys that I got. So I was just, I was going back and pasted through the glass and hoping that I could get up quick enough to get up ice yeah. and create an offensive chance. Um, uh, you know what? I think that the way that the game is now, Matthew, you said it earlier talking about, you know, young players and older players. Like my first, my first couple of training camps with, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, it was like Eric Lindros, Owen Nolan, Joe Newendike, Ron Francis. Like these guys yeah. were all 35 plus. Like that doesn't happen anymore. There, there's how many guys, maybe five guys in the league left that are over 35 years old. Um, Not a lot. You know, it just happens that half of them play for the Toronto Maple Leafs or, or did last year. Um, <laughs> the, like, I think that speed kills, right? Like the game now is all about speed and just rolling it over and pressure. And so you can put young kids in that position now, you know, and, and players are so much smarter now than they were coming into the league. You know, it's like the, the way that the game is approached at the junior hockey level, NCAA, like there's, there's video like we didn't do video when i played in the ohl like that wasn't a thing you know and so you weren't taught the right way to play it was just it was learn on the fly pick it up you know watch this defenseman watch the way that he plays like the way that the way that kid i say kids sound like the old man but the way that young players do it now like they are so much further ahead when they turn pro than we were and so you know what more can be expected more can be given to them more responsible more responsibility more expectation uh i i'm totally fine with that yeah, no, I completely I also agree. We... I was just going to add to that, Wally, just with regards to defending those top lines. If I'm like, again, and I'm not good because Belzy just about covered everything. Yeah. When I um, when I was with Ottawa, and I think it was roughly when Marner and, and Matthews came in and started playing together in training camp, and we played a couple exhibition games out there. My biggest thing that I remember was the speed. And, and, and all of a sudden, like these two young guys are literally controlling the game. And it was like just it was it was a it was a mind blowing experience because I was always used to looking out for those veterans that were just that much more skilled and maybe a little bit more seasoned obviously so they they knew the tricks out there but it's all about speed now and and so I hate the argument well he's too young we need to he needs to be groomed up a little bit that might apply for some defensemen um, but when you see a player like Pinto come into the NHL and able to play both ways and not being a liability defensively he's always in the right spots. Like that, that argument is just stupid. And, and, and it, to me, it, it's not effective. I think if I'm looking at these lines right now, all I could think is, and I'm going to echo what Belzy said is, oh boy, like my gap's going to suck tonight. It's not going to be very good. They're going to gain entry most of the time with control of the puck, but I'm going to try to keep them in front of me and make sure the shots are coming from the outside and hope they don't get rebounds. And that's how I'm going to approach it. And, you know, gap's going to be tough. I'm going to go back to the bench. Coach is going to give me shit every time I get off the ice that my gap's not good. But at least I know that the play's in front of me. And that's how I handled it when I played. Guys like Crosby, some yeah. certain players. You know what? Try to shoot the puck through me. You're going to gain entry. Maybe my uh, my Corsi won't look very good on paper because they're getting shots on net. 
but I don't care because we're still going to probably win the game. They're all going to be in front of me. I'm going to be okay. So again, the young man, it's a young man's game now. And that's really all that matters. So Matt, I just want to ask you quick, Wally, sorry to hijack here, but like if no, no. you were looking at the Ottawa Senators from, from last year, who is the yeah. toughest forward to play against on that team, do you think? Oh, I got my boy. answer. Easy. Like, I, I uh, think Tim Stutzla is frightening as a defenseman. Like, with that speed and that oh, right. making like, ability. Right. Like, like you mean one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who Like, picking up uh. steam inside his own blue line, and you've got to gap up and take that rush back. Like, I don't want any yeah. part of Tim Stutzla. No. And, yeah, you know, Alex Formican is strong. like that, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, and yeah, he's so 18 years old. You know, it's yeah. not so, it, it's not some experienced guy in the middle of the ice. It's it's the guys with speed to burn. Yeah, and and exactly. So so we look at this lineup, and you have a player like Tierney, which I believe there's definitely room for him in this lineup. This isn't me. This is sorry. Let me rephrase that. This is an indictment towards Tierney. But you look at a player like Formington, and even with your comparison to Paul and how they just switched with that. I mean, your your top line needs to be fast. And it needs to be reasonably skilled. And he complements those two guys perfectly because he's going to be able to retrieve pucks. And if they do have to dump pucks, he's going to be first there all the time. D-man's going to be backed up. That's a no-brainer and a brilliant move by the coaching staff. So well done there. And Nick Paul, you can move him up and down the lineup anywhere you like. It doesn't make a difference. So again, for a, for a replacement for Brady, Formington's your guy. I like it there. And uh, he's making a good case that he belongs. So we'll see how that plays out when Brady gets back. Yeah, okay, your so comment about uh, I, I no, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. go ahead, I was going to say I just that uh, say... your comment about staying in front of staying in front of a defenseman, and you get back to the bench, and you're going to eat shit from the coach because your gap wasn't bad. My feeling on that was always like, at least I'm not a highlight reel. At least I'm not exactly. getting locked going wide. Like shoot it through <laughs> me, and if I screen the goalie, it's still his fault. He could have made the yeah. save. Like, like, it ain't me. I just don't want to oh, be man. the guy put on the poster. It drove me nuts because when we played, there would be times where, you know, because as a defenseman, when you get to the NHL and Belsey, obviously you know this too, you got to be smart, you know, to a degree, and you're not going to play every player exactly the same. So when coaches were like, you do not let that line get across the blue line, I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, we're playing against, uh, you know, Austin Matthews. They're going to get the freaking blue line. Like sometimes they're going to get it, and that's okay because you got Marner going 100 miles an hour up the middle, feeding whoever he wants. I mean, it's just the way it is. So, you can't play everybody the same. And so when pro coaches would preach gap like that and yell at you when you got off the ice, it drove me nuts. And I'd be guilty of talking back sometimes because I'm all I could think was like, okay, put on another pairing. Let's see how that other pairing does against that line. <laughs> It'll be a freaking highlight reel, right? And so yeah. you got to play it smart and you have to understand that top lines are top lines for a reason. They're going to create opportunities whether you like it or not. So the best defense sometimes is just keeping them in front of you. Make sure you're between them and the net and you're going to be okay. Okay, so here's my last question on this top two lines. Should you put Tim Stutzla on the top line and Formington with Pinto and Connor Brown? Is there do you need to have a defensive guy with Norris and Batherson as more than Stutzla? Or as you remember, you guys used always used to protect a forward. You'd have one defensive forward on a line. Uh, can you flip the two? Can you put Formington and Stutzla uh, on different lines? I I like the chemistry on the lines right now. Like I I think of I think a Connor Brown and, and Tim Stutzla for, for whatever reason, like they just work real well, well together. Is it because Connor Brown's so responsible defensively and, and so good, you know, uh, on, on up and down the ice? I don't know. 
Um, but you know, you, you take Stutzla off the second line and you put him up front with uh, with Norris and Batherson. I think you're hurting both lines there. Like I think you, I think you hurt the second line for sure. You take away some of that. You know, Formington. While yeah, I don't know if we qualify him as a defensive forward at this point, but with that speed and that responsibility and PK and that kind of thing, yep. I, I think that he adds something up on that first line on the defensive side of the puck. And I think that Stutzla has done just fine with with playing with Connor Brown and with Pinto. I mean, let's see what that looks like. I, I think that similar to um, someone we were talking about earlier, like a, a great players just generating offense on their own. Like Tim Stutzla does that, right? He he just creates things on his own with his speed, with his with his hands. Um, you throw Shane Pinto into that mix, what's that going to look like? You know, the Norris Batherson combination is great. Throw Kachuk in there, it's even better. Well, let's see if this Pinto Stutzla thing works out well, because you might have a, you know, like you might have a two-headed monster there. Yeah, and 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 to your your first point, it's just chemistry, Wally, right? So why yeah. would you break any of these lines up that have clearly seen some success together? I mean, it's the no-brainers just to switch out the one guy. So Brady's not in there. Fill that little spot with somebody who you feel is best suited. Don't mess with any of the other lines. Keep especially that second line. I mean, I I I couldn't agree more. The chemistry that Stutzla and Pinto and excuse me that Stutzla and Brown have right now, you're not really going to get with anybody else. Keep them together. Pinto's going to fit in really nicely if he continues his play. I would not even touch that line. Leave it as it is. And and I mean the the play from Formington with those other fellas in camp so far has proven that it's just the right uh, right fit at the moment. Okay, we'll wait to see how that plays out. They're going to play together tonight, so I uh, look forward to the Leaf game. Uh, by the way, uh, Shane Pinto, there was concern about his face-offs because after last year, he is 20 for 33 so far in the preseasons, over 60-some percent. So, Pretty good. Uh, he, yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that continues to play out. Um, all right, up next, the work of art, Tim Zub, if you will, uh, brought to you by Whitewater Beer, of course, our good friends at Whitewater uh, they've come out with a new Killaloo surprise. It's a beaver tail inspired beer. Uh, we're going to taste test this a little bit later in the show and see how this goes. Um, uh, by the way, you can get 15% off using the Wally Mathog coupon at shopwhitewater.ca. Of course, uh, Whitewater beer is brewed by friends for friends. So speaking of friends, Artem Zub, um, the legend, I think we should call him by now. Um, he's mythical status. Are we overselling Artem Zub by any stretch of the imagination? Both of you have played a defensive role in the National Hockey League. Um, can you tell me if we're making a big deal, or is it just because he's a guy that never talks and we know nothing about him? Uh, Brendan Bell. Yeah, I think that certainly adds to the mythical status. Like he's he's like this unicorn where you don't get anything. And the stuff that came out last year about um, like he's a musician too. He's like he's learning languages, all kinds of stuff. Like. It was it was great because it was just enough to keep the kind of <laughs> legend going or like the myth of like this guy's wild like he he's into all kinds of things and um, I, I think that it's just been his play though like his play was was so good last year and a surprise too right like typically you get these guys that come over that are older players who have played in Europe and it's like oh he was the, you know the MVP of the KHL or the best defenseman in the Finnish league and he's going to come right over and step right in never works out that way. You know, they get 15 or 20 games in, and it's before you know it, ooh, the game's too physical, game's too fast, ice is too small, whatever it is. But Zub just quietly went about his business and got better, you know, every night. He came in really good and then was just, yeah. like, there was no hiccups. Like, he was steady. Yeah. He was he was probably the most consistent defenseman last year, and you don't get that from a rookie player. And, and a guy that, 
you know, obviously has some professional experience playing in the KHL, but you know, mm. he, he's still a relatively young guy at 26. Um, so, you know, I, I just think he's stable. And in a lot of cases, what more do you want from a defenseman? A number three, really, right? I mean, he's, he's probably going to end up being a top pair defenseman this year, but I, I see him as a number three defenseman. He's a guy that's certainly in your top four. Can he carry a pair on his own? Probably not, but he's a great partner for your superstar. Um, you know, there's other guys on this call that made a pretty good career doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I again... I wish I could disagree with Belzy a little more. I'd love to have a good old-fashioned argument going, but again, it's 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 exactly what he just said. I think he comes over here, and and more importantly, he's in the new age NHL. He's your perfect stay-at-home D-man because he's not that big, but he skates and moves very well. He's still incredibly defensively sound. Obviously, that's his bread and butter. But more importantly, he doesn't handle the puck like a grenade. Right, it gets to his stick. He's not inclined to just shovel it up the wall or up the glass. Not that a lot of D-men really do that anymore. I, I think the game's obviously evolved. But but his passes almost, well, not all the time, but very often are on point. He's got a lot of poise under pressure in the D-zone. He compliments Shabbat and anybody else he happens to play with so well. So, again, it's it's a it's a case where you've just got this very good defensively sound D-men that you can rely on. And it's just a, such a breath of fresh air because they've gone after some free agents as of late. We all know the ones they picked up last year. They couldn't really handle the puck very well. He's a much better puck handler than Zaitsev. So again, it's it's to me, he's the ultimate defensive D-man, especially on this team right now, and there's no denying that. And I'm hoping and praying it works out very well with Shabbat. I think it will because, I mean, what a tandem that'll be. If you can fill out the rest of your roster and get some reliability out of that second and third pairing, to me, that's the ultimate D-partner, at least available right now for Thomas Shabbat. And I'm thinking it's going to work out very well for both of them. Uh, interesting. By the way, he just celebrated his 26th birthday yesterday. So happy birthday to Artem Zub. Uh, brings us up to a web poll question that we've got on right now on our chat. And that is the greatest sends Russian defenseman of all time. Igor Kravchuk, Anton Volchenkov, Sergei Gonchar, or Artem Zub. Now, I know you're not shocked. Oh, Volchenkov and Zub are now tied at 36% with Gonchar at uh, 27% and Kravchuk. Shockingly, zero. Uh, clearly, we have a younger group on online. Um, would you guys pick, uh, who, I guess, who would you pick of, among all those as the greatest Russian defenseman that played in a Sens uniform? Oh, it's easy. Yeah. No doubt about it. Number 24, Volch. It's got to be. <laughs> as much, like, I mean, he was, him and Philly were so good together for so long. Heart and soul guy, like, blocking pucks with his face. Just absolutely anything um for his team and couple that with his off ice persona and personality and horrible mastery of the english language um, <laughs> he's 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 one of my all-time favorite teammates like some of the stuff that would come out of his mouth was the best him and antoine vermette were best buddies right and and both of them barely spoke english like Walsh <laughs> would learn his english from verm and oh, so Verm would teach Volch, you know, like they on the road, like they never left their hotel room. They were just the room service and movies guys. And yeah. Verm would teach Volch English. And it was wild. Some of the stuff that Volch would come up with about, you know, like he had, uh, he had ground beavers in his backyard one day and they were making holes everywhere and he couldn't figure out how to get rid of the ground beavers. And we were like, what? Well, ground groundhogs, beavers. but the loose translation was... <laughs> You know, and the flying mice in his attic. He had all kinds of stuff that he couldn't get rid of. And it was all from Verm. 
you know, like he was so much fun. So he's, he's easily my favorite Russian defenseman. Yeah. And I never had a yeah, chance see- to play with Vol- with Volchi, but I think with my pick, I'd probably go and, and with Zub, of course, he's only played a year here. Like I, I just, I can't go with a player that has not a ton of experience playing on the team. So I'm, I played with Gonch. I don't yeah. know that that's the right pick, but I just remember how he was. And, and again, he was towards the end of his career when we had him, but like he lived in the worst possible place proximity wise to Canada. And that was, on you know, East of Ottawa in Rockcliffe. So there'd be like a snowstorm and we'd be at the arena and, it, you know, the team meeting is well, like maybe an hour before the game. So everyone's been at the rink at this point for already over an hour. And again, Gonch isn't there yet. So we're all thinking like, where's Gonch? He's not at the rink. Just rolls in a little after the meeting, sometimes during a meeting, still in his suit, because there was obviously a snowstorm and he's coming, you know, from Rockcliffe, Ontario, which is an hour through a snowstorm. And, but like, it didn't break stride, right? He was just very casual, very respected. The coaches never said anything to him. He was allowed to get away with pretty much anything he wanted. And he'd go out there in the game and play that very smooth, casual style, barely warmed up. And, that was the kind of player he was, and he was very mysterious off the ice. You never really saw him anywhere. So I'd have to say Gonch only because it was a very fun experience to be able to play with a player like that. Okay, wait a sec. Rockcliffe or Rockland? Ro- like Rockland, Rockland Ontario? So just, just, no, Rockcliffe. Okay. Just east, of, just east okay. of downtown where Alfie lives right now. But anybody, okay. as Belzy can agree with, who plays okay. for the Ottawa Senators driving to the rink in traffic down that 417 knows you better not be east of town. Like you're going to have to be either in Canada, Westboro, or anywhere in between. But he was decided he wanted to live out there and he was late almost all the time. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, I need to quickly move on because I'm way behind where I should be. And that is um, Friday. Okay. I don't know if you guys saw, but Zub did his shootout attempt. Um, he scored and, and everybody was excited to see him do uh, as a defenseman scoring in the shootout. Uh, which brought me to thinking of who's actually done a shootout as a defenseman who's played for the Ottawa Senators. Eric Carlson had the most. He was 5 for 18. Thomas Shabbat, 0 for 2. Patrick Weirkosh, 0 for 2. Brendan Bell, 0 for 1. (laughs) Cody Cece, Mike Riley, David Rumblad, and Chris Weidman are the only Ottawa Senator defensemen to ever attempt a shootout. Uh, Mm. Brendan, do you remember yours against the Boston Bruins? Oh, Thanks for bringing it up, Wally. I, uh, <laughs> I I like to say that uh, I like to say that I don't have regrets, uh, and I, I try to live my life that way. That is one regret <laughs> that I will always have that I did not score in that shootout because, man, I I loved the shootout. Like I, um, in my minor league career, I was I was always the first shooter. Like I was I was just good at shootouts. I was a shootout specialist, and so. For years and years and years, like my in the minors, I'd go like eight for nine on the year. One year I was twelve for fourteen. Um, like I had a crazy, crazy shootout record. Two moves that worked all the time. And so that year, um, I was in Binghamton for uh, ten or fifteen games at the start of the year, and I went three for three in the shootout. Corey Clouston was our coach. Uh, come up to Ottawa, play most of the year. Craig Hartsburg gets fired. Corey Clouston comes up. We get into a shootout against the Boston Bruins at home. And I didn't even, like, Corey and I weren't buddies by any stretch of the imagination or anything, but he certainly had um, some experience with me in the shootout. So when we go to shootout, like, in overtime, I was just hoping we got to the shootout. And so I look back and kind of, like, make sure that he can see me. And he goes, okay, you're up. Let's go. Let's see it. And I was like, thank God I get to do this. Like, finally, at home, too. 
families in the building, you know, obviously my brothers and my dad and that they know my, my shootout history and they're pumped. So I go in, make my move and Tim Thomas of all people, right? Like very unpredictable, but this works, this move always works. And so I go in fake forehand, open them up wide. I've got all the room in the world. I'm going to slide it five hole and he kicks his heels back together and stops it on the goal line. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's going to be my one shootout attempt in the NHL. Like, let alone if I play another five years, whatever it is. Like, if I get another 300 games in this league, I'm going to be 0 for 1 in the shootout for the rest of my career. Because <laughs> there's not a chance that I'm going to have a coach who's going to back me. And I'm like, I had oh, him, man. and I 0 for 1 forever. Hey, but at least you got to do it. I did get to do it. I don't even it. know how. And, like, you know, where do I? <sighs> Go ahead. Sorry, Walt. No, I like I've seen the uh, I've I've seen the clip. Like there's a YouTube clip. Dean Brown brought it out last year for something, and uh, <laughs> the boys at uh, 1200 had a great laugh because Jack Edwards was on the call, and you know Brendan Bell is gonna who Brendan Bell is gonna shoot for the Senators. Okay, don't have a book <laughs> on this guy. You and, know, like, and yeah, and, and Jack, Jack Edwards and isn't me. biased at all, right? Like he's not a biased yeah, exactly. announcer by any means, right? Yeah, so they uh, use that clip pretty regularly when I was on doing the pre and post game shows. Um, but yeah, I you know always going to be zero for one. And I, hey, I, I, but I recall, I recall literally turning down the opportunities like multiple times where you know shoot what? like in exhibition games, maybe the shootouts go on forever. Yep, I wanted no part of them because I, I just do I need to state the obvious here? I mean, I, I couldn't handle a puck worth my life, so I, uh, I never did it. What if this was your thing? What thing are you? What thing? What are you talking about? What, you could be a I, shootout. I, spe what my, if you my, were my, a shootout specialist? My best seasons in the NHL, I had one goal. I think one year I had zero. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? But I'm a shootout specialist? No. You could have like, I could see you as the walk-in, like, top of the circle, Clapper. big slap shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That would and, be the only option. Yeah, off the inside of the goalie's leg or something like that. Like just through his pad. Yes. Hard as you yes. can. Not I would agree with corner. that. Just no, no, hard. no, no. Like my eyes, my eyes are closed, and I'm just shooting the puck <laughs> as hard as I can. <laughs> How exciting is it? Uh, and I know you're both defensemen, but when you're on the bench and you see, because it's rare, you see a D-man, unless you're super talented like Eric Carlson or Thomas Shabbat, taking a shootout attempt. Is it like? Is there a a, a lot of energy uh, watching this transpire? I always like seeing like the one-offs, right? So if, if I was on the bench and if I was on the Boston bench and I wasn't me, I, I would immediately be like, what's this all about? Who's, who's this guy? There must, there must be, <laughs> he a, must have a special move something to this. Yeah. This is yeah. weird. Like yeah. I remember the, uh, the Merrick Malik goal, right. From years and years and years ago, oh, yeah. I remember being a kid and being so pumped that like a defensive defenseman is going in the shootout and not only going in the shootout, but making a move like that. <laughs> Like, to me, that was, like, the coolest thing ever. Like, Merrick Malik will go down in history for me. I'll never forget Merrick Malik. Like, you know, 6'5", Czech defenseman. Couldn't, you know, handle the puck to save his life. But yeah, remember that shootout goal? Yeah. Well, he's on the highlight reel every year. Like, every time they go top 10 best shootout moves, he's on there. And he go and it's not just the goal. It's everything. It's the celly, like, the the, the the air of confidence with the hand up. Yeah, like, it was just, it was ridiculous. And, and, and he's almost making a mockery out of it going through his legs, right? It's like a big F you yeah. to everybody out there. So, I'm a huge fan of that one as well. That was a great, great comparison. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't uh, supposed to I'm go just, in. 
No, no. <laughs> right? Like he was going to try that and that was going to hit the goalie in the chest or go over the net or something like that. And it'd be a funny story in the dressing room afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> I, well, Matt, I'm disappointed you turned it down. But anyway, uh, we'll move on. Uh, I, I, yeah, I look forward to seeing perhaps Volchi or sorry, uh, Zub or perhaps any other defenseman taking more shootouts. Um, into Matter of Fact, brought to you by SportsInteraction.com. Uh, SportsInteraction.com is Canada's odds makers. Uh, make sure you go see sports, uh, sportsinteraction.com slash volume of thought. Get in on the action. Don't forget the season's going to start and we're going to want you to be betting all the time with the Ottawa Senators and they have lots of different kind of questions that come up. So uh, make sure you get into sportsinteraction.com slash volume of thought. All right, Matt Murray, uh, his preseason debut, he allowed two goals, 27 shots. I think his save percentage is about 926 from that game. He's going to start tonight. He's expected to play the whole game. What do you guys think of uh, Matt Murray's play and a very small sample size, but based off of last year, it must be a positive sign, Brendan. Yeah, you know what? I, I like Tale of Two Cities, obviously. Um, you yeah. know, Murray came in and, and struggled at the start. Everybody that was in the net for the first 25 games or so struggled last year. Um, and then it flipped, right? And, and the further we got down the depth chart, the better guys played. And so whether it was um, a, a comfort level, an adjustment, um, whatever it was, Matt Murray was, was good, real good down the stretch last year. And, you know, I, I think that to me, that's the one big question mark with this team is like, you know what you're going to get out of the forwards, you know what you're going to get out of the defenseman, you know how they're going to play every night, but is Matt Murray good enough and, and consistent enough, stable enough to be the backbone of this team? Because you're paying them to be that right. And, and the sense, I, I love the move when they went out and got Matt Murray, like you get a young guy who's got, um, you know, sign him to a contract. He's going to be here long-term. He's going to be the guy with this group. And last year just, you know, kind of created more questions than anything of, well, can he really do this? Um, it's such a fickle, finicky position that, yeah. um, you know, there, there's more questions than answers there with me for Matt Murray. And I think that, uh, you know, starting the season strong will go an awfully long way to, uh, to, to kind of alleviating some of that discomfort or uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you got to remember that he came in last year. There was no training camp. You go you go to a new organization. You don't get any reps in. There's no familiarity with anybody there. You know, you're coming from a world class organization where he's seen a lot of success, played very good hockey, and then you come in here. And I'm not going to name names, but they didn't have the best decor last year. Didn't have a ton of help. So mix that in. All these different variables play a huge part of that. And then obviously. A couple bad goals go in here and there for the first little while and you know obviously not getting a ton of help he's hung out to dry a little bit it just crushes your confidence right as a goaltender uh belzy nailed it it's such a finicky position it's so mental and goalies as we all know are a little odd for the most part they've all got their little quirks and again i'm going to say this one more time confidence he's coming in now he's getting his reps in they're, 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 they're sheltering him to a degree, especially earlier on in camp. They didn't want to play him right away. He's getting tons of reps in, a lot of practice. He's getting to know the guys. Belzy also said, finished off the season pretty strong last year. Not a ton of hockey, but looked pretty good. Is that going to continue right now? I don't know. I think we can predict. We can have all our projections out there. To me, the biggest thing is, is the team in front of him going to play pretty well? Defensively, are they going to be sound and responsible? How's that decor going to look? I think if all those things are fairly consistent, you're going to get a much better player out of Matt Murray. You're going to get better production, and everybody's going to be pretty happy. I think all you really need from him right now is consistency. You don't need him to be lights out. You just want him to be average or a little above average. Give the give the team an opportunity to win, 
as much as often. I'd like to say every night that he plays, that won't happen. There are going to be ups and downs. But I think if if the team's playing a little bit with a little bit more structure, which we saw late in last year, and I'm assuming it's going to continue, he's going to be okay. So I think the confidence is there now. He's getting his reps in. There's training camp behind him. Things are going to be all right. He did look different the other night in that he just – there seems to be a little more comfort factor, so we'll see if that continues yep. tonight in the game against the Leafs. Um, last topic, uh, gentlemen. Uh, Lenny and the tweets. I wanted Lenny in the text, but he wasn't sending texts, so I had to do that one. Um, what do you guys make of Robin Leonard's Twitter storm, if you will, on Saturday? Uh, talks a lot about, you know, players given Ambien, not from doctors, but from training staff and and um, benzodiapines. I don't know how you say it. Call them benzos. Um, I had it. All right, there we go. Um, he said lots of stuff, and I don't know how much you guys have seen it. He went after the Flyers and... I know he's talked about Jack Eichel and how he's being handled in Buffalo. Um, Do you guys know that, like, do you believe in what he's saying to be accurate since you've kind of, you, I mean, you've been in the same kind of dressing rooms. Meth. I'll go first. Oh, you want me? Oh yeah. See, (laughs) you know, you know, you're asking two former players when we're both a little reluctant to answer that question. I think I'll go first. That's fine. Belsie's hanging me out to dry here. I'm getting, but here's the thing. Okay. But, yeah, but wait a sec, Matt. So here's the thing, though. Everybody's saying it's been going on for years and people have spoken out, but nobody's done anything. So now that he's spoken out a little bit more, um, people feel that he should be kind of supported a little bit because they all know that this is transpiring, if yeah. you get my point. Yeah, okay. Okay, so this is tough because you can't paint a broad brush over every organization. Everyone's different. Right. And I will say this. I'll preface it before I get into my point. The league has changed dramatically since Belzy and I played certainly since Bell since Beller and I came into the NHL it's a lot different right now when I first got into the league yes everything was much more available it was a lot easier to get your hands on Ambien like you know we played in Columbus for example and when I played in Columbus we were in the Western Conference us in Detroit we're an Eastern time zone team playing in the West so as you can imagine our sleeping patterns were just out of whack all the time you know we'd land from a from a divisional game we'd be back in columbus at 2 a.m you know landing so that was very difficult so you know any kind of thing that and and of course cannabis products and all that stuff wasn't really a thing then it's still i think they're getting there now but when it came to, to to sleep aids that was a big one and it was easy to get them if you wanted them you'd have them and there weren't a ton of questions asked that was 15 years ago so are there still teams, you know, practicing these things? And is it still easily available? I would assume probably, and I'm not going to discount what Leonard's saying because he's incredibly honest and I respect the hell out of that. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of his, his comments resonated with a lot of people, certainly with the opioids, that's a problem. And we know it can become a very big problem if you start using them regularly and you're not weaned off properly. And, and again, that's subjective to the player, different personalities. Some are more addictive than others. Um, but again, having more of an educated background in this uh, is important. I think we, as players, you need to be educated. I think as training staff, you need to be responsible. I'm stating obvious cliche stuff right now, but it's true. And I do agree with Robin that it's still a problem with a lot of teams. It needs to be rectified and addressed. And I don't know how you do that and where you begin. You start with releasing more statements at the beginning of training camp and you go from there. But I mean, I don't know how else you do it, but I do commend Robbie or uh, Robbie 
I do commend Robin for doing that. It's good to bring light to this stuff because we've seen that it's been a big issue with a lot of players, particularly retired players. Yeah, I, you know what, I saw it over the weekend um, and thought, like, good for good for Lenny for, for bringing it up. I mean, he's obviously a guy who's been very forthcoming with his mental health stuff, um, you know, ha has has dealt with um, addiction stuff in the past. And, you know, I, I, Matt, to your point, like 20 years ago, it was a lot different. Like, it, it wasn't to the point where, you know, you, you walk into a locker room and in any trainer's room, and Wally, you've seen this stuff where they've got the, you know, they've got the jar of Tylenol, they've got the jar of Q-tips, they've got the jar of Band-Aids, they got, like, there wasn't a jar of Ambience. There no. wasn't a jar of, of Benzos. There wasn't any of this stuff. Like that, you know, it's certainly accessible. Um, I, I played in Phoenix. Ambien was a regular thing. Like a, a like More so was, in the States. You know, More so in the States. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And yeah. it, again, like playing in, playing in Canada, our trips weren't that bad. You know, going out West, you're only doing it for once or twice a year at best. And, you know, it's gradual. So I, I don't... You know, playing in the minors too, it was a thing. Riding the buses overnight and, and some of the travel that we went through, it was, oh. if guys had sleeping issues and if guys had, you know, if, if there were things, that stuff was available for sure. You had to seek it out a little bit. It was certainly easy, easier to access than it would be in the real world. Um, you know, if you wanted to do some of that stuff now, you'd have to go to a doctor, get a prescription, all that. You know, it was more like you go talk to the trainer and the trainer said, you know, I haven't slept in a, in a couple of days and I'm having a hard time. Is there any chance you can, you know, get something from the doctor for me next Friday night at the game. Yep, no problem at all. Like that, it, it, it's that easy, right? So there is still a bit of a buffer, but I don't think that any of that stuff is, or it wasn't um, tracked or, you know, how many did we give you last week? And do you still, like, you should have some left. And like, I don't know if there was a process in place. I'm sure, I'm sure that there is now. Um, but that being said, like, I, I think that, that Lenny's comments the other day, let's talk about this. Let, let's put it out there. You know, the thing that I didn't love was his comments about Philly and about Alain Vigneault. And yeah. like, where does that come from? What's that all about? Like, never played in Philly, didn't play for AV. Um, you know, coaches don't walk around with a with a pocket full of Ambien or, or any uh, drug or anything for that matter that they'll be handing out here and there. So there's some stuff that's kind of questionable to me and i wonder where that came from like if that's you know word of mouth if that's factual if that's you know where is your information coming from there but all in all good good for you for standing up i wouldn't have the stones to do it you know i, I was never at that point anywhere confident enough in my career that i'm going to put my hand up here because we got to change things like mm. good for lenny for taking that on yeah, yeah. And, and and just to add to the ambient thing so if there are people listening and they're wondering well, why are you guys taking ambient it's not just the travel. It's you got to remember that it's not that you're not just staying up late doing some work or crunching numbers in front of your computer. You're going to a game drinking a, a bunch of coffee and whatever kind of stimulant you could think of to get up for these games at 7:30 at night on the road. And sometimes you're taking uh, uh, pseudoephedrine or other pills. I don't know how, how many players are still taking that stuff, but players are taking all kinds of different stimulants to to get up for these games because it's a grind when you're playing 82 and. This isn't me saying, well, you need to sympathize and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to go there and looking. This isn't like, you know, poor me. But when the game ends and you're still up on this high and you're you're all wired and it's like 11 p.m. And you got to get to bed because you got to get up in the morning. That was the normal thing to do. And 
it's hard to find a holistic alternatives that can replicate those same effects. And I know there's arguments as well that when you're taking Ambien, you're not necessarily getting your REM sleep and, and I'm acknowledging that, but again, um, like when I was playing in the playoffs and we were just, and I was with Ottawa, like, and I was trying to get to sleep and you're playing in these high stakes games in the third round of the playoffs, I'd take NyQuil or anything that would really kind of help me doze off because you're just, you're so wired and it's almost impossible to get down and try to relax. So those are issues that are still, I feel like being navigated through and, and, and there are still different alternatives that are finally now coming to light, but it's a, it's a messy landscape and it's hard to just point the finger yeah. at people because as a player, you're also responsible, right? Like, like if some stuff is available. Hell, I'm retired. I can still go find stuff. I'm sure right now if I wanted to, and I know it's not good for my body, but I think as a player, you do have to accept a little bit of responsibility as well. So there's a fine line here. I, but again, having said all that, I like what Robin's doing because it is bringing to light some serious issues that are happening around the NHL, not just the NHL, professional sports in general. As long as, yeah, to start the discussion, I guess, becomes the most important part of all that, just to see if we can start to take better care of, of athletes. Because, Matt, you started at the beginning of the show saying, you know what, the organizations don't really care about us because we are just pieces of the puzzle for them to win hockey games. And and sure. I think that that's a very true statement. That you become commodities. And so I well, think it's that like the any players business. have to... And, and right. Yeah, and we're not exclusive. You, you, it's not just athletes, right? Anybody working out there, I mean, there's always an end goal. Sure. It's you know, to grow your business and you've got pieces that help you do that. And if those pieces don't do the job, you're going to be gone and someone else is going to come in. But you would also like I to be taken much else, better care of. Yeah. And if nothing else, like, I mean, it, it, it becomes part of the consciousness, right? Like I, I, Matthew, you were talking about, you know, putting some of it back on the player. I, I absolutely agree. You know, like they're, the culture is such that like, no, you, you take a shot, like you take a pill, you take whatever to play. Like, and, yeah, mm -hmm. you, you see some of the stuff that Ryan Kessler has done over the last couple of years and fan of Kessler not, um, he's been very vocal and very honest about, yeah, like I, I've, I've created a problem for myself and I did that knowing what the effects would be later on. And I'd probably do it again. You know, like I, I know I would broken foot in the playoffs, shoot me up. Let's go. I'm going out there, you know, whatever it yep. is, whatever you've got to do to play. And you know, part of that's a badge of honor. Part of that is the culture, whatever it is. But I would absolutely do it again. If I if I had a yeah. had an opioid addiction or something like that, I, I might be, you know, I, I might have a different perspective on it now. But, you know, as long as it's, it's okay to have those conversations. It's okay to have those thoughts. It's okay to second guess, should I do this? Is this the right thing to do? You know, can I talk to a trainer about this? Can I talk to a doctor? Can I talk to a teammate? Like the more um, aware people become of this, like, people, players, trainers, staff, that we got to have these conversations, you know, like this, this, this can't just be, you know, you know, an uncomfortable thing that nobody talks about. It's got to be discussed. Yep. That's it. And speaking of discussion, uh, Brendan, we're going to let you go, but we appreciate you taking the time to stop by. We will have you back again, because as we can see, you are very much in the GM mode and we need more of this. If you could become a <laughs> capologist, that would be perfect. Yeah, I'm good with numbers, not that good. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you soon, Brennan. Take care and appreciate you stopping Thanks, by. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. There goes Brendan Bell, former Ottawa Senator, uh, also a former CHL Defenseman of the Year. I can't imagine like winning those kinds of honors to be selected from 
I don't know how many teams there are almost 60 CHL teams to be picked as the best defenseman has to be amazing uh, in itself. Uh, great stuff from Brendan Bell. Enjoyed, always enjoyed his insight. Uh, Meth, uh, we're going to welcome in Craig into the show who's been busy uh, in the back doing all kinds of polls on uh, online. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah. So, hey guys. Um, hi, buddy. How are you? Hey, good, good. People so here's your the Lenny, thing. Lenny uh, in the tweets. People liked it. I'm sure you saw that, obviously, but uh, people liked your your titles today. Um, I I don't have any other life, so I just try to come up with some titles. Um, I really wanted Lenny in the text, though. I thought that would have been so much yeah, better. That would have been a good one. Anyway, um, okay. So, guys, I promised at the beginning uh, we would do a taste test of the Killaloo surprise, yeah. uh, oh, and it is okay. afternoon meth. So, so now you have to. Uh, we're well, and I was the now. argument was like because I love white water; it's all I drink at home. But I just did a big workout, so this will be my recovery, yep. I guess. My <laughs> my concern okay. was right. it was it's ele- it was eleven in the morning, but now it's afternoon, so I feel a little worse. Yeah. Less, See, less, less can make an argument exactly. Yeah. All right, and so Cheers. by the way, this has uh, it's a spiced beer recreates the familiar flavors of cinnamon sugar sprinkled atop warm dough, a little hint of le- lemon. Okay, yeah, it's good. It's really good. Oh, yeah, it's a nice, it's a seasonal, right? So I feel like this kind of beer is perfect for the fall when the weather starts to turn a little bit, winter. It's a good beer. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting tons yeah. of the cinnamon and sugary like, stuff. It just kind of tastes like no, like I don't but, feel like I'm but, eating a beaver tail. Which I was worried perfect. it was going to be super saying. syrupy or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and with the whitewater beers, it's not just <laughs> going on. I don't know. I don't know if they're paying enough for this, but they, uh, but but all their beers, even their citrus ones, they're not too aggressive when it comes yeah. to that sweet, right? Like you, it still tastes yeah. like you're drinking a beer, and that's what I love about their products. So anyway, yeah. shout out to Whitewater, great beer, pretty delicious. Hmm. Mm. And yeah, if you want to go Very get nice. some of your own, try the Killaloo surprise yourself. Head on over to shopwhitewater.ca. Use the code Wally Mathot to get fifteen percent off your next order. Uh, Brent, was it free local delivery too? Is that right? Uh, free uh, local delivery uh, in Ottawa, and then uh, free shipping yeah, in Ontario. They're, they're good. Oh, it's yeah. a great deal for sure. Yeah, definitely. So if you haven't tried this one, add it to the list. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See? I was, I will, I will add this. I don't know. Did I talk about how I was hugging the toilet yesterday morning after the wedding? Uh, you told I us. Was, so I thought it was a good idea to eat a you know, big bowl of mac and cheese. Like after the wedding, when I got back to the Airbnb, we were in Prince Edward County. I felt okay. You know, what time, but what time I don't drink, I don't drink a lot anymore. So I woke <laughs> So I wake up Sunday morning, like splitting headache. It's like 5am at this point. I've slept for like four hours. And I can't get back to bed because my head's pounding. So I'm sitting there at the end of my bed fighting it for like for like two hours, right? Finally, I'm like, oh, okay. I just, I got out of the bathroom. So I go in there, I do the deed. It wasn't pretty. Wicked headache. And I told myself yesterday, there's no chance I'm drinking anything for the next couple of weeks. And here I am the next day having a whitewater beer live on camera. It's so good. But this, can, I, I, can I even say, we should can discuss I say more that of that stuff? Okay. Can I just? Yeah, okay, okay. Here's a question right. for, uh, since your playing career is long gone, have you? Yeah. Have you ever woken up on a game day morning and, and oh, after perhaps hey, a late okay. night? So in my first my first call up uh, to Columbus, uh, I I go. We're on the road. It happens to be the same weekend. There, the teams having their rookie party. Luckily, I didn't have to pay the six grand because I've just been called up. 
It was, uh, was going to be temporary. So, but I'm still able to join for the festivities, right? So we're in Dallas, as a matter of fact, uh, as, and I'm there as a blue jacket. We do the rookie party and, you know, it's, it's a good time. We have a lot of fun. We drink lots. Next morning, pale as a ghost and it's puke and rally all morning. Like, and we have a practice because Ken Hitchcock was our coach and he was adamant that we were going to skate to sweat out the demons, you know, at 11 o'clock or whatever time it was at. So I barely make it to the bus. I'm in the bathroom the whole bus ride, and the bus is dead quiet, like dead silent. And I'm puking in the bathroom, and I'm trying to puke but be very quiet. And, of course, barely get off the bus. A couple of the vets had to carry me. I think Freddie Modine was there. He's grabbing me and pulling me off. I get – I don't even know I, – I don't remember practice. Like, I, I remember uh, puking over the boards a couple times in, like, a, in a little garbage bag. But like, imagine, so it's one thing if you got to go to work, cause I've done, a, I've worked in other lines of things other than pro sports, but imagine relying on your body to get you through a professional practice and you're puking the whole time. You've got nothing in your system. One of the worst experiences of my life, hands down when it comes to hockey. And, um, I can honestly tell you, I've never done that again. And that's something I'm very proud of, but Oh man, like not a worse feeling than knowing that you're under the microscope with the coaching staff watching you. I don't think I busted too many drills. I wasn't a drill buster per se, but I was able to kind of meticulously hide into the drills and behind people. So there were times where I'm in line in the corner and I'm supposed to be up next and I just kept going to the back of the line. Right? So I essentially just didn't do a lot of the drills, but when it came to like the system stuff, that's when I was exposed. So Anyway, I'm maybe still a here to tell you. Yeah, maybe a skate blade was busted or something. Yeah, like, oh, you know, trainer, trainer, come, come, and <laughs> yeah. fix, come and fix my skate. I think I, I, think I lost an edge. <laughs> yeah. So did – anyway. I, I don't know if that was Gary Agnew as your coach. Did anybody say anything to you on the ice? Uh, well, no, it was – so Hitchcock was there, right? Gary Agnew oh, was Hitch, coaching okay. in the American League at the time. He was my head coach in the A. Okay. But uh, I don't remember. I think uh, – was it Murphy? Gordon Murphy was our D coach, I think. Anyway, yeah. uh, no one said anything to me, though. I think it was expected. And it's almost kind of like like frowned upon if you're not hurting at least a little bit, right? I oh, think in the yeah, spirit of yeah. team and chemistry, you have to fully commit the night before. And I fully committed. Well, you know what? You always brought your A game to each and every event. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Brent, did you uh, did you ever have any one of those where you had to maybe work through? Oh, uh, Wally? I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, Wally? I, I, I was I was really just oh, shutting this. Off. How about this? Give me the does, best. Where does where does Wally begin? Uh, <laughs> I think I don't know if I've told this story, but um, it is the outdoor game 2010 Fenway. I think it's 2010 Fenway Park, uh, Philadelphia, Boston, and uh, they are going to announce after that game the Olympic team for Team USA. So it's a long day, and it's January 1st. And so uh, my cameraman, Dave, Joy, and I go out the night before. And I used to always have this rule. I called it game nights, like no drinking on game nights. So no night before stuff because I didn't I didn't want to be hungover. Because for us, game days are long. They're, we start at you know, 8 in the morning, and they got practices at skates at 1030, and then it goes all day. You file, and you still do the game at night. I got trashed. So at the hotel, uh, it was the Fairmont Battery <laughs> Wharf. They allowed, they just had the wine out. It's just free. And we're in the gold club and Dave and I are enjoying it. And we're playing Jenga and all kinds of stuff together. I remember calling my wife and telling her, like, I'm watching something on TV. Later, she said that it wasn't even close to anything I was watching. So <laughs> I get, I, but I don't realize I'm this drunk. Anyway, I get up the next morning. 
I go down for breakfast. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, yeah, I got this. I go back to my hotel room to get dressed, change to go to the rink. And I'm, I'm now hugging the toilet. I'm a mess. Like I'm sweating. You know, that feeling of just pure sweat. Oh, you can't the worst move. feeling. It's the worst. I don't want to like all of a sudden I am now completely hungover. My life is in shambles. And I'm like, I have to do an outdoor game. The only game on the record right today and the Olympic announcement. We get there. I'm still, I'm sure I'm as green as the green monster. Um, I, so we have a seat, but I don't have a seat that I can watch the game. It's in the press box, but it's actually like in the, the Fenway Park cafeteria type thing. Anyway, I remember putting my head down and when I lifted it back up, I had the stat sheet from the first period across my face. I missed the entire first period. So, nice. So I, I, so I got the lines from the suit on my face. And then I just like, I just want this day over. And then the, it's delayed. The Olympic announcement's delayed. And it's like 400 degrees in the room. And I'm sweating oh, through my suit. Like I, gross. I can't get through that day enough. But it was, I'll never forget the feeling I had covering the outdoor game that day. I couldn't tell you what happened in that game. I have no idea. So do you guys, do you guys, you, I want to know if I'm alone on this one. Do both of you ever go into the shower and just lay there in the hot shower on the floor when you're very hungover. That used to be my, I mean, obviously don't do that anymore. I've got two kids, but that was my move. <laughs> I just, and then I get out cause you get the instant kind of like, it feels good. It kind of mitigates yeah. your headache a little. And then you get out. Yeah. And for whatever reason, every time I'd get out, I just get this overwhelming wave of nausea again. It just comes on. Yes. Do you guys ever you're do right that? Right back yeah? in it. Okay. Yeah. You're right back in the <laughs> yeah, shit. No, anyway. No, never. I never have. <laughs> no, okay. I, yeah, the, the key is just get it all out at night while you're still a little, while you don't remember See, things. Get it all I out at night before it happens. Then you don't remember. I don't ever up. do that, Craig. Oh, yeah, like, like, every like everybody, I know the two digits down the throat. I, oh, yeah. I'll do that in the morning, but like, I don't, I don't ever have the mind to do it at nighttime before I hit the wrapper. Like it's always in the morning and it's usually yeah. coming on when you've got like those wicked headaches. And anyway. I'd like to change one of my the favorite hotels. I'm starting yeah. to get anxiety here. <laughs> is I think it's the W in Hoboken, or it might be the W in New York. They would always put um, water, and the, it's almost like two recovery tablets next to your pillow. Like they knew that you were going out Ooh, the night before. I think it was huge. always the W hotel. Yeah, yeah I always appreciate yeah. that. I think Dallas was yeah. like that. The Rosewood there, they always took care of you there too. Anyway. Well, no, didn't you guys All stay right. at the, did, did, did we not stay at the Crescent in Dallas, that Crescent Hotel? Oh, but it's owned by Rosewood. That's what it is. Oh, that could be it. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. The one right by, the, Nobu? right by the Shake Shack, have, right? Yes. And they have a Nobu yeah. attached downstairs, right? Like in the building? Yeah. Yes. Yeah? Is that, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just did the I didn't draft. know there's a Shake Shack near there. Yeah. It's like right across, Around the, like corner. Right across the parking lot. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's right that's by the Brady Kachuk draft. Yeah. Yeah. We, we hit that Shake that's Shack. That's the hotel. That Mike Hoffman was traded in, if I'm not mistaken, like that whole oh, was it? thing was haste. Yeah, that's where Pierre nice. Dorian made all that announcement going on. Yeah, cool. Those drafts that was a kind crazy of time together. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah anyway, well, this is uh, a nice little segue ahead of our whitewater taste test. Everybody's most <laughs> drunkest time working. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Right. That's fun. <laughs> Um, we do have, we do have some more sponsor stuff to kind of clean up before the end of the day here. Uh, new partner alert, uh, Ontario clothing company came in. Um, they're, they're really good, man. We wore their shirts on the last show. Super comfy. Uh, if you are looking for some new gear, check out their fall line over at Ontario clothing company.ca. And Hey, if you use the promo code wham show 15% off your entire order, 
really comfy, really great stuff. Uh, support a good company. And yeah, hey, support us too. Go grab some gear uh, for the fall because it's getting kind of chilly outside. If you can't wait or you can't decide what you want to get, uh, we're giving away an Ontario clothing company prizing pack based off of our last show with Mike Johnson. Uh, we asked a question, which was, how many career goals did Mike Johnson score on Patrick Laleem? And the answer is three. Cool little fact here that Brent pulled, which is uh, Patrick Laleem. He was playing on three different teams each time. So Pittsburgh, Ottawa, Buffalo. So shout out to at Spencer Gillian. I hope I said that right. Uh, keep an eye on your DMs. We're going to slide in there and figure out how to get you your Ontario clothing company prizing pack. Everybody else, head on over to check out their website. Grab yourself some stuff because it's pretty sweet. Uh, coming up Thursday, gentlemen, Jacques Martin, former Ottawa Senator head coach, uh, the winningest head coach in Senator's history, will join us. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, mm. Boys, enjoy your beers. Uh, it's finish now time for lunch. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for watching, everybody. You're watching the William Thought Show. We'll see you next time. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.